We're continuing the series we started this morning, Free Indeed. Free Indeed, if you weren't here, get the podcast, the message, I believe it will help you. We're talking about, you know, this unseen world that we're part of. So many people live their life on the basis of what they see, but how many know there's another world that we don't see? In fact, Paul said what is seen is temporal and what is unseen is eternal. So what that says is, is what's not seen is more real than what is seen. And so often we, we feel stuff intuitively. We know stuff, but we can't put language around it. And, and the series is really aiming to, to put language around some of the stuff that we feel. So many of us, you know, it's like we want to move forward, but we can't. And it's almost like we're up against this invisible wall. And we wonder why we can't go any further, where other people just seem to break through it. Uh, we feel like there's something stopping us. And I'm believing during this series that, that people are going to be able to crash through those invisible walls. Come on, people are going to bust through ceilings in their life. Because how many know when Jesus came, uh, He came to, to give us a, a life of freedom. And He said, He who the Son sets free, what is free? Indeed, not, not just free, but, but free indeed. So many people, oh, I think I'm free. Well, he, he wants you to know that you're indeed free. And uh, we're, in, we're in a spiritual battle. Uh, there, there's a fight that goes on in the spirit. You know, when you're, you're, you face a natural problem, you know, it's like you, you, you've got issues. It's a, called a problem and you can solve it. Uh, by natural means, but when you're in a spiritual battle, you know, natural warfare doesn't work. You know, in, in fact, you've got to engage your spirit to confront what is spiritually holding you back. And, and many people today are trying to deal with spiritual issues through their natural person. Uh, but, but we need to awaken our spirits to realize that, that if we want spiritual breakthrough, it's in the Spirit we're going to find answers. You ready for that? Ready for the Word of God? Let's go to Psalm chapter 19. Psalm 19. This is a great passage of Scripture. Reading from verse 7, it says, The law of the Lord is... Is it up there? It's not up there. You don't know what it's saying. The law of the Lord is perfect. Perfect. Refreshing the soul. Come on, if you're a little bit dry and weary. The law of the Lord is perfect. And even in you hearing this message, your soul is going to be refreshed. It says, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. You know, so often we can feel a little bit basic sometimes. But the word of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, make you wise. Come on, how many want to be wise? It goes on, the precepts of the Lord are right, and they are giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, more than much than, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them, your servant is warned. Here, here's a warning right here. In keeping them, there is a great reward. Come on, how many love the Word of God? How many know Jesus is the Word? 
and the Word was made flesh. And in Jesus, you know, we discover, well, in the Word, we discover who Jesus is. Come on, you want to get to know Jesus better? You know, dig deeper into the Word because when you do that, it will bring joy to your heart. Your eyes will be able to see what you can't see otherwise. And here it says, it will give you a great reward. Come on, how many want a great reward? Come on, don't be a person who just searches out the Word of God on a Sunday or listens to the Word on a Sunday. Be somebody who gets the Word of God into your life each and every day you're awake because it brings life to people. But it goes on, verse 12. It says, but who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sin. May they not rule over me. Then I'll be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. I, I just quickly want to pick out four things there because there's four level of thing, uh, sin that actually can bind us up. Here, here we've got the first one is own errors. How many know you and I make mistakes? And, and how many have made a mistake today? You know, we make errors today. Many of us, we all, each and every day, we put our, our foot in it. We, you know, we, we do dumb stuff. We lose our cool. We, we say things we shouldn't do, say. We, we do a whole lot of stuff, and, and, and we make mistakes. But how many know they, they aren't the things that really bind you? It goes on, and it talks about, so you've got your own errors, but then you've got your hidden faults. It's the things that you're trying to cover over all the time and pretend they're not there. Uh, that's hidden faults, the other things that, you know, you're, you're hoping no, uh, nobody notices, but, but how many know they, they cause, they cause a, a barrier, a, a, a hidden faults. You know, and uh, somebody once said, we're, we're as, only as bad as our secrets. And, and it's the things that we keep hidden that, that actually have power over you. But when you bring, you know, your, your hidden faults into light, if you confess your sin, the good news is that, that, that Jesus is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So, so if you, you confess them to Jesus, you're forgiven. But, but, but the Bible talks about in James that, that we're not just to confess our sins to, to, to Jesus. Yeah, we're forgiven when we confess them to Jesus, but we're to confess our sins to one another. See, it's in the confessing to one another, James talks about is there that we are healed. See, you can be forgiven but not healed. You're hearing me right now. You know, many, many people today, well, I'll just get it right between me and God. And God says, yeah, you're forgiven. But if you want to get set free, you've got to confess your sin to somebody else. And so there's a progression here. You know, in the first instance, you've got your own errors. Your own errors, you know, we all make mistakes. But then it progresses to hidden faults. But then it goes deeper and it talks about willful sin. A willful sin is, is when you know something's wrong and, and you don't do anything to avoid it. A willful sin is when you don't just not avoid it, but you actually go after it. And, and that, this type of sin has the power to, to create and develop a stronghold in your life. And that's where people, you know, get into places where they want to live in freedom. They don't want to do a whole lot of things, but they can't stop themselves doing it. You know, it's like they can't stop even thinking about certain things. And, and, and it gets deeper because they've opened a door for the enemy to come in, uh, which then leads to, to the fourth level, which is a, a great transgression. 
which is simply a stronghold in our lives. You know, well, we're going deep right, right at the start. Uh, but, uh, but I only say that because here's the good news is Jesus can set you free. And, and there's freedom in the name of Jesus. Come on, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And, and while the enemy wants to uh, use to destroy your life, God can, can not only cleanse you, but He can turn around your life and, and put it on a whole new course if you surrender to Him. and Because listen to what the psalmist says in the verse after, in verse 14, he says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Uh, uh, the question I want to ask you tonight is what do you think about when you don't have anything to think about? Where, where does your mind naturally gravitate towards? Because that will often <laughs> indicate to you what's controlling your thinking. Well, what's actually steering the course of your life? Because in the end, a person is, you are a result of your thinking. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So, so if you think something up here, eventually it's going to manifest in, in the world around you. That's why the psalmist says, he, he says, oh, don't just let my actions be pleasing in your sight. He says, you know, come on. He says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Because ultimately, the words that we speak and what we think about create the world around us. It's uh, uh, so often we don't want to get involved in certain activities, but where we've opened doors... What you've got to understand, if you've opened a door in an area in your life, the enemy, the devil, Satan, has legal rights to claim that ground. Uh, but the good news tonight is that if you're in trouble, Jesus can set you free. Okay, now, now what's our responsibility in all of this? Our responsibility is to identify those areas in our life where we're where footholds and strongholds may have developed. In fact, if you want a title um, of this message, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, just seven words. Here's seven words that we need to, to remember. I want you to remember these words. In Ephesians 4, 27, it says, Do not give the devil a foothold. Simple. I want you to remember, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give him a leg up. Don't give him permission to do stuff in your life. Because some of us right now, we've opened the door and we don't even know it. And we've given him a, a foothold in, in, in our life. But we're going to today expose his plan, expose the enemy's plan, and we're going to say, hey, devil, I'm not, I'm not going to give you a foothold. You've got no, no permission in my life, and you can't take advantage of anything in my life. So, so our responsibility is to actually understand where, where the enemy can come in. And, and it's the first step to actually living free. Uh, what we're going to do um, coming up in about 10 days' time, we're going to run an encounter weekend on a Friday and Saturday. And, we're, uh, you know, this series on a Sunday, we're only scratching the surface. And, and many people here, you know, you've been living under stuff and fighting stuff 
and wondering why you sort of take you know one step forward and two steps back is simply because you haven't understood how the spiritual world works. And, and these things in your past, these things in people's backgrounds, these things, you know, even generational things that have been passed down to you, and you're fighting them, but, and you're trying to, 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 to break through, but yet you keep on hitting something and being pushed back. I, I really believe if you'd take the time out, a Friday night and a whole day Saturday, to, to arm yourself and equip yourself, you'll live in a whole new zone of freedom that you w- once knew never existed. And God wants to take you there. Come on, uh, this is exciting news. And so we're running an encounter weekend. Pastor Helen's going to be running that. And uh, it's, it's going to be incredible. So you want to register for that in the foyer. But, but what we're going to understand is the Scripture teaches us that, that there's a spiritual battle happening all around us. And what I want to hone in on tonight is that, that you and I live in two atmospheres at the same time. There's two atmospheres. There's the physical atmosphere, which we can, we can see, we can hear, we can touch, we can taste. But there's, there's a spiritual atmosphere that we cannot see with our natural eye or we can experience it with our natural senses. But it's, it's very real and it's vital that we understand what's going on. How many ever walked into a room and, and there's like a tightness in, in the atmosphere? Uh, and and you, you go in and you sense the tightness. What is that t- telling you that? It's, it's your spirit. It's your spirit. It's a little bit like an animal. How many know animals normally can tell when a thunderstorm is approaching? You know, they go hide under the bed and you go, what's going on? And it's like they've got the sense that, that, that a storm's approaching. And, and your spirit will give off warning signals all the time. You know, that, that something's not right here. Maybe you, you go around to a person's house for dinner and you walk into the room and there's a tightness in the atmosphere. But what you don't realize is, is the couple who you've gone to have dinner with have just had an argument before you walked in the door. And, and nobody's told you that they've had an argument, but there's something on the inside that says, hey, everything's not all right at this house. Uh, it's not a, a, a peaceful atmosphere. And there's something in your spirit that detects that. You, you sense something that's not right. Yeah, you didn't see it, you didn't hear it, but you could feel it. You could feel it in the, in the atmosphere. And here's the deal. The devil knows the power of atmosphere. That's why most people are enticed when they put themselves in wrong atmospheres. That's when they're led into sin. It's like the enemy, know, enemy knows if he can get you into a wild party, you're much more in, in danger of doing something wrong than if you're at a library. Yeah, yeah, come on. What's the difference here? At a wild party, you're, gonna, you're not going to you know, light up and do a whole lot of other things in a library. Well, I hope you aren't. Uh, but, 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 but what's the difference? It's atmosphere. It's, it's atmosphere. And, and you know, certain behaviors is more conducive in this atmosphere that are not conducive over here. And so many of us, you know, we struggle with sin, but we don't realize it's the atmospheres that are putting, uh, we're putting ourselves in that are actually causing us to, to stumble and causing us to do things we thought we'd never do. See, see different atmospheres are, are conducive to growth. You know, bananas grow in certain atmospheres. You know, they, they grow. It's like they don't grow in, in, in Dunedin. They don't grow in, you know, in, in, the, in the South Island. Why? Because there's not the right atmosphere. 
Because what an atmosphere creates is an atmosphere creates a climate. And a climate creates a culture. You've got to hear me. An atmosphere creates a, a climate and a climate a culture. And the enemy knows that if he can get you into his culture, he knows he can make you a slave. Because ultimately, as Jesus said, you're a slave to whatever controls you. If you sin, you're, you're, you're a slave to sin. You think you're free, but you're actually not free. You know, people go, well, you know, I'm free to have a drink. Yeah, good on you. I'm free to have a drink too. You know, I'm free to do a whole lot of things. The question is, are you free not to? Are you free not to? See, many people, oh, I'm free to. Why are you free not to? Because a lot of people have to have a drink. A lot of people have to do certain things to, to be accepted in the environment. Well, you know, if I'm going to be accepted, I've got to do what everybody else is doing. And it's almost like the enemy's got you into his culture where, where sin is conducive. But come on, we're, we've got to create another culture. And that culture is started by recognizing atmospheres. See, the same is true with the Holy Spirit. Atmosphere is everything. Just as the atmosphere of lust, drunkenness, anger, and hatred you know, attracts demonic spirits, an atmosphere of praise, worship, love, and holiness and unity, it attracts the Holy Spirit. So one attracts demonic spirits and one attracts the Holy Spirit. What spirit do you want? Because you've got to recognize the atmosphere. And God responds to atmosphere as well. God is everywhere. He's everywhere. But how many know He does not manifest His presence equally everywhere? God manifests His presence when the atmosphere is right. And He loves an atmosphere of celebration. That's why our praise song at the beginning of services aren't just icebreakers. You know, they, they actually are, are important. You know, the important atmosphere that God loves. And, and He wants to show Himself up. And in fact, the Bible says in Psalm 22 verse 3 that God inhabits, He inhabits the praises of His people. He loves an atmosphere of praise where, where people are having a good time worshiping Him. Not, not just where people are singing songs, but where they're praising Him and they're worshiping Him in spirit and truth. In fact, that word inhabits, He inhabits the praises of His people, means He's enthroned. Or another way to put it is He feels comfortable enough to sit down. He feels comfortable enough to sit down. How many know you go to some places and go, I don't want to sit down because I don't want to be here long. If I sit down, no, I'll just stand at the door. I won't even take off my shoes. Because if I take off my shoes, you know, that means I'm staying for a longer time. But in habits, God inhabits, you know, if there's praise, genuine, heartfelt praise, God says, hey, I, I want to sit down on my throne. Because I'm comfortable in this environment. See, he's not comfortable in negativity. He's not comfortable when there's a whole lot of gossip going on. He's not comfortable in those environments. But where he sits down is he sits down in the praises of his people. See, when you fill an atmosphere with criticism and fault finding and complaining and murmuring, God's out. He, he's gone. He's, he's bored, disappeared. Because it doesn't invite the presence of God. But if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, 
You understand that, that He's the source of your life. And what flows from your life when the Holy Spirit is part of your life is the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness. All of those things become increasingly evident in your life. And, and what the, the fruit of the Spirit does is it naturally creates an atmosphere for the presence of the Holy Spirit. That, that's why I want to say, on, on a Sunday, we don't want just, you know, a rah, rah, rah that has no heart behind it. Yeah, you know, this isn't just to get people up and ah. This is, is, is to get people in a place where they connect with the presence of God, that, that things shift in their life, where they go out of this place more loving than they were before they came in, feel more with joy, have more self-control. <laughs> come on. <laughs> you know, if you don't come into His presence and, 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 and those things aren't evident, what you've you got to ask the question is, what, where are I touched by His presence? Or, or was that just hype? Uh, come, come on, we want to be people who have a good time, but we want to be people of substance. Amen. Come on, we're building people who know their God, who know their God, know their God, because it's those that know their God, they shall be strong. Too many people are weak because they don't know God. They, they, they come into an atmosphere, but they still don't know God. They shall know their God. They shall be strong and they shall do great exploits. Come on. Have you ever been in a service where there's a tightness to it? In fact, when you often start a new service, there's a little bit of a tightness to it. You know, it's not in this service tonight, but yeah, it's like there's, there's a tightness. In it. And many people will sit in a room like this and they'll go, yeah, I know God's my healer. So, so why does God move in some services and not others? Uh, why do healings take place uh, over here on Rana and, and not in other services? Yeah, uh, why? Yeah, it's a lot of the time because sometimes there's just not an expectation for it. See, an atmosphere of faith you know, I, I like, is the breeding ground for miracles. And, and without faith, God, he's going like, nah. But I love the fact that, that everything we do is, is really to create an atmosphere of faith where God can come in and do what only He can do. Yeah, I, I love the testimony from, some, uh, you know, from Equipers Revolution, ministered down at Easter camp. And, and this is what we've been praying for. And we've seen uh, on a number of, case, uh, a number of occasions where we just in worship, people's scars from self-harming have disappeared. Uh, but, but at Easter camp, there was a testimony of a girl who was in, in the crowd, and she's got this disease which eat away, eats away at her bones. And it eaten away so much that she hardly had a hip, and it was affecting her pelvis. But in the middle of worship, she, touched, she was walking with a limp coming in. But in the middle of worship, her, her hip was totally restored. Totally restored in the middle of worship. Come on, some of you If that was a, a relative of yours and you knew the background story, some of you would be a lot more excited than you currently are. And they went in. Now, no, we, we hear some, uh, you know, we, we hear Equipers Revolution all the time. The danger is we just get familiar with them. 
And, and, and we just go, well, and we look, look, look oh, I know Josh, I know these guys, I know Ethan, I know the crew, you know. But we don't realize that, that, that we're not looking to people. We're just about creating the atmosphere. An atmosphere. And, and, and we're saying, you know, we're creating a climate as a church that, that ultimately is going to be a culture that brings change into our city. Yeah. See, where there's no faith in the atmosphere, there's a limitation on what God can do. Don't believe me? Let's go to Mark 6. Mark 6. This is Jesus. Jesus. Mark 6 verse 5. It says, Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Now, this is Jesus. Jesus was shut down in his hometown because they just looked upon him as a carpenter's son. They didn't see him according to the Spirit. And they got familiar. And as a result, he only could do a few miracles. How many know? They couldn't shut down Jesus' personal anointing. So, so the miracles were limited to the people he laid hands on. But what was shut down was the corporate anointing. Because there was places where Jesus went and there was just such an expectation that Jesus didn't even need to lay hands on them. Everyone got healed. Come on, I wonder whether we could create a, a climate and a culture where, where, where people just walking through these doors, the doors of our service would come into it and God would do a miracle in their life and set them free. Come on, how many believe we can see that take place? See, miracles happen when the atmosphere is right. And what we're going to see, are we creating, are, how are we adding to an atmosphere of faith? See, when people respond to the presence of God, God responds to the people in a greater measure. God, God responds. That, that's why, why some people receiving healing and freedom, you know, and, and salvation is like, some people, oh, well, I need this person to pray for me. No, if you just have an expectation in God, God can meet you right where you are. You know, what kind of atmosphere, the question I want to ask is, does your life have? Are you attracting the Holy Spirit? Or is the atmosphere of your life giving the enemy a foothold? Come on, I'm talking about what you watch, what, or what you feed yourself. Because it can start off with just a, a, a small little error over here. But if you don't deal with it there, it can turn into you going willful sin and great transgression. Many people think, oh, it's just harmless. It's harmless. Well, you know, how much of God do you want? How much of God? Because there's going to come a point in your life where, where, where the two atmospheres will collide. There'll be a collision. Of course, you know, there's a collision between darkness and light. They can't coexist. And even in our own life, sometimes there's a collision. And the question is, who, who wins? Who, who wins? Yeah, I love the story of Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. It's a well-known story where this demonic slave girl follows them everywhere they go and you know, tells them that the, these are messengers from God. And anyway, you know, these guys who basically pimped her out to make money because you know, she had supernatural powers, you know, uh, 
something. You know, they, 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 they'll do stuff. But Paul and Silas got mad at her, got frustrated, and eventually cast the demon out of her so that she couldn't do what she, was, you know, what she would get money to do. And so, so the, the, the slave owners, in a sense, you know, got mad at Paul and Silas because he had just taken away their, their source of income. They, they, they took Paul and Silas into the middle of the town square and they, they falsely accused them, had them beaten up and put in prison. Uh, they put shackles on them. And, you know, it's like, how would you feel? You know, you're going about the purpose of God. You've gone into a new region to preach the gospel and somebody falsely accuses you and then you find yourself in prison. How many know if you're going to do anything for, uh, great for God, you're going to face opposition? You know, I, I challenge to say, you know, your greatest breakthrough is right off the back of your greatest opposition. Because the enemy's not just going to roll over and give you territory. Come on, come on, we've got to be aware of this as a church. How many know God's called us as a church to take territory for the kingdom of God? And so we need our eyes open to what's going on. We can't just think everything is rosy and nice and different things like that. Come on, we've got to, we've got to open our eyes to that. There's an enemy. And the enemy understood what, what was going to happen. And so he did everything he could to, to stop it. Because the enemy knows that it's easier to kill a seed than it is to destroy a harvest. So, so he will always try, he will attack you at the inception of something new. Uh, because if he can get it in seed form, he, it's easier to kill that seed than it is to destroy the harvest. Come on, you're following me tonight. And, and, and that's why we've got uh, to understand this. It's like, come on, we're breaking ground right now in the spirit for this service. Come on, there's a breaking in the ground of what God's going to release in, in and through this service. Come on, as a church, you know, we're about to, uh, wide open doors. Come on, wide open doors, buildings, different things. Come on, favor. We're about to enter a season. I want to prophesy in the spirit of unprecedented favor. Come on, how many can believe that? Favor of God is on us. Come on, unprecedented favor. Now, but I love yeah, Paul and Silas's response to, to the persecution that came upon them. How many know they didn't start complaining? They didn't complain about the unfair treatment. They could have complained and, you know, said, man, we've been treated so harshly. And all we were doing was just pursuing the call. Now, here's the thing. If you're going to do something great for God, the devil's not going to leave you alone. The fact that you're under attack sometimes proves you're doing the right thing. Can I say that again? The, the fact that you're under attack proves that you're doing the right thing. But these two bleeding, hurt men in the middle of their prison lifted up their voice. They didn't complain and started praising God. The, the other prisoners you should have been asleep. They started listening in. How many know somebody is always listening and watching when you're going through a trial? But what you've got to understand, in the midst of your trial, if you can give God praise, praise breaks the grip of the enemy. Praise is powerful. It breaks the grip of the enemy and it changes the atmosphere of what you're up against. And what it does, praise invites the presence of God into your situation. That's why praise is so powerful. See, this little Macedonian prison was too small to contain God's presence. And praise, 
brought God's presence into that prison, so much so that the walls began to tremble. And the prison began to shake and stones began to fall away. Mortar crumbled and eventually the chains broke. And suddenly there was an earthquake that shook the foundations. And the Bible says immediately the doors were open and everybody's chains were loosed. Come on, we prophesied at the beginning of the year that 2019 was a year of wide open doors. Wide open doors. Some of us thought they were just doors of opportunity and possibility, but I want to declare they're not just that. Some of them are prison doors being swung wide open where you've been contained, where you've been locked up and you've been limited for a long time. God's saying, hey, this is a year of open doors and your praise is gonna bring about a breakthrough. Your praise is gonna release healing. Your praise is gonna bring about increase in Jesus' Name and it's gotta come out of your mouth, your praise. See, a lot of people can praise God when the sun is shining, but what about when it's dark and you're in a prison cell? See, what you got to say, praise changes the atmosphere and, and welcomes the presence of God. Let's look at Zechariah chapter 4. Zechariah 14, should I say, verse 17. And it says, And it shall be whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts on them, says on them there will be no rain. So how many know some people who just forsake worship, overlook praise, try and solve things in their own mind? When you don't worship, no worship, no rain. It says there will be no rain. It's as simple. This is important because rain is symbolic of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's symbolic. And praise is like a cloud. And it forms above an atmosphere. And once it accumulates enough, what happens is rain comes down. Come on, you're called to be a rainmaker. Come on, we're called to be a rainmaker over the city. That there'll be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And when the praise goes up, what happens is the rain comes down. You know, right now, our church, our churches need rain. Our families need rain. Our neighbours need rain. Come on, our country right now desperately needs the rain of the Holy Spirit. But that can only happen through prayer and praise. That's why global prayer night tomorrow night is important. Come on, we want to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes as people humble themselves and pray, but also praise. Psalm 150 says, let everything. Somebody say, let everything. Come on, everybody, let everything that has breath. Come on, that has breath. Praise the Lord. Come on, say it together. Let everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. See, God looks for a praise that's born out of our times of affliction. Sometimes He leads us into experiences that are unpleasant, that are difficult and even painful. Isaiah 48 verse 10 said, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. How many know if something's not tested, it can't be trusted? The fact that you have a driver's license 
and you're trusted to drive on our roads is simply because you're tested. And if something's not tested, you can't be trusted. How many are glad that when a pilot is flying you from one destination to another, how many are glad that they have been tested? They didn't just wake up on the morning and go, oh, I think I'll give flying a go today. You know, imagine that. You know, I've never done this before. Let's just give this go. No, the fact that they've been tested means that there's, there's a trust that comes. And, and God tests our faith in the furnace of affliction. What are you going to do? You're going to sulk? You're going to mourn? Or are you going to praise? Well, what, are, what are you going to do? You're going to crumble? You're going to choke? Sometimes, you know, we have to go through stuff because what we don't understand is, is the level of our degradation often determines the height of our celebration. And, and by going down and, and, and being in a place and being able to praise God, you, you know how far He's brought you. In fact, Jesus said, to whom much is forgiven, much, much is love, there's more love. Because you know what you're being forgiven from, but what familiarity does is it just goes, well, I'm, I'm here, I got myself here, you know, and it doesn't recognize contributing factors. And that's why sometimes God will allow us to go through affliction, to go through pain, because He wants to prove to you in the middle of that pain, He's your deliverer. Yeah, and you can trust Him. Not just when things are riding high, but you can trust them when things are not going so well. Where you can't see what's in front of you. Come on, come on. God wants, you know, a, a robust faith, not a weak, fickle faith. Come on, too many people are fickle right now. It's like they get a headache and they can't come to church. It's like, you know, it's like they get a headache and they start doubting whether God exists. It's, it's like, come on, we don't need some fickle Christians. We need some robust Christians who can praise God. Come on, let everything that has breath praise God. I may be in a fiery furnace, but I'm gonna prove God's faithfulness. Yeah, enemy knows if, if you lose hope, you'll lose your praise. He'll get you to think, oh, well, it's just you. Nobody understands what, what, what I'm going through. But we need to set our heart on God. See, if you've got breath, you can praise God. You may not have a job, but if you've got breath. Come on, you may not have a car, but if you've got breath. You may not have a girlfriend, but if you have breath. Come on, yeah, yeah. You may not know what tomorrow's going to, but if you've got breath, come on, you can praise God. Come on, there's so many ways to praise God. We can clap our hands, we can dance, we can bow. But, but. You know, all we need is breath. And it's a praise that rises out of the furnace of affliction that requires your breath. Because sometimes that's all you've got left is your breath. And you can tell how powerful your faith is. You can tell when you've been through the fire. Come on, I know God's ministering right here in this environment. Now, we can focus on what God wants to do in somebody else's life, but what about yours right now? So when, when you unlock your praise, God will unlock you.
Come on, can I say that again? When you unlock your praise, God will unlock you. What has you bound? What are the chains restricting your life? Don't stop praising Him. Come on, have you been involved in habitual, willful sin? Come on, are you trapped right now? Are you at a place where there's a ceiling over your life and you want to break through, but you just keep on hitting the ceiling? You're going back and forth and you've always almost lost hope that things can't be different. I want to say in Jesus, it can. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed.